We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast, a Blue Wire podcast brought to you by Prize Picks. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me today, Box 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. You know, the weather changes and my allergies get out of control a little bit, but that's actually my own fault because I haven't taken my Zyrtec for about three days. But other than that, just trying to keep a voice. How are y'all doing? Good. Uh, of course, we are joined by a Brendan Nunes from the Kings Bulls podcast. Brendan, how are you? Doing well. Uh, before I even knew Sean was going to say that, I was also going to complain about my allergies. I've been having very aggressive sneezes. And similar to Sean, I should probably huh. start taking my Zyrtex. I, too, yeah. should be taking Zyrtec <laughs> or something. Um, I'm pretty beat up. It's been a long week of talking on the radio. Uh, and it I don't think it's going to let up. Um, but... The, the voice feels like it wants to go, and that's not usual. So uh, I've got hot tea. Uh, let's see it. What do you guys got? Podcast candles. Oof. S- well, Brendan is definitely. No podcast candle, Bron- yeah, Brendan? I got nothing going on right now. What? I saw I it. With, uh, I saw it somewhere. Tree Farm. Um, <laughs> uh, it sounded like, I don't know. It sounded, because it's got like a like a Christmas ornament kind of thing. Yeah. But it wasn't. It wasn't like Christmassy smell, so it kind of smelled like fall, if there was a scent. So, what? is a tree farm different smell than just a tree? Well, if you've ever been out to cut down your own Christmas tree, like a savage, and and get out there and really get manly <laughs> and uproot one, um, I have. I do that every it, year. There, do you? The day after Thanksgiving, we do it every year. It's so unnecessary. Um, but those are kind of like tree farms, I, I suppose, and you can Griswold it and throw it up on your uh, on your vehicle. But uh, I I remember doing that as a kid, and I always felt like there was a certain scent out there, like an Apple Hill, where it's like the foothills and the mm-hmm. all that stuff. So 
So it smells like a memory. It kind of smells like a memory. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that. And uh, it's not why I picked it, but yeah, tree farm. We've had the strange memory discussion before. The smells and memory. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, All right. Everyone's good? Yeah? Ready to do this thing? Okay. Ready. Uh, Hope so. Sweet. Uh, Okay, so if you're watching the podcast on YouTube... We'd love it if you gave us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, uh, do all that stuff. Uh, we'll try to timestamp when we can, uh, but right now all three of us are running around like crazy people trying to cover the Sacramento Kings while doing like three other jobs. Um, still a free podcast, podcast, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's okay, going to be cool. some ad insertions That's now cool. that we're part of Blue Wire. So uh, we did join Blue Wire, which is cool. Um, they're going to handle ad insertions and things like that. So we don't have to, and we can, uh, you know, keep doing what we do without having to chase a whole bunch of stuff outside. Um, see outside of that, jump on board with the Kings beat. Um, we're working on it. We're trying to do off the record with the Kings beat virtual happy hour or a a happy hour in person. Um, again, we'll get it done. Uh, we'll get it done soon. Um, but now we're, we have holidays to compete with. Um, but we'll figure it out. Um, uh, go to the kingsbeat.com, become a pre- premium subscriber to get invitations to all that kind of stuff. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. The Sacramento Kings are rolling, they've won four in a row. Um, the first thing I want to I want to touch on is um before we get into the the crushing of the Los Angeles Lakers, which happened on Wednesday night. Um, between our last two podcasts, Mike Brown surpassed 400 wins uh, as an NBA head coach. Um, kind of a cool moment. What, what were you guys uh, like? What did you take away from the evening of him reaching the 400 win plateau, which he said he did not know, uh, which is possible. Uh, but it's something that we definitely as like media members were starting to get wind of uh, and, you know, could confirm pretty easily by looking at his basketball reference page. Uh, but uh, what did you guys take away from the the big night where Mike Brown uh, and his team ran over the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder and got his 400th win. Yeah, he's not a big milestone guy. He, he but I think he understood the moment coming against his uh, former team that really afforded him his first coaching opportunity back in 05. So oh, it was the Cavs. It wasn't my bad. My bad. It was the yeah, Cavs, not no, the Cavaliers. But but to that point, like realizing, I think Mike is uh, he's aware of the moment. He he's aware of he doesn't like to put any any attention onto himself he's always deflecting and um wanting to share accolades with coaching staffs or players or those around him and he did that but it's hard to do when it's centrally focused on your own career your own coaching career and i think he had a little um he was a little uncomfortable with it let's just say but he got into character very quickly after that, after that win against the Cavaliers, where it was neat to see him with the, not only the crown and the throne, but but him throwing up the four and and just really, as I say, getting into character and putting an image that will just last for uh, a long, long time. Um, I'm seeing great memes about it. I'm seeing. I, I said I want to see it on a T-shirt. I would. I would purchase a t-shirt with that image of him on there uh don't need any writing around it just need that image so maybe we can uh make that happen with our good folks over at uh oh yeah what was the uh, brickyard the, right? uh, brick uh brick house brick house brick house yeah. industries yeah yeah brick house um, industries that's a good idea some, i'll reach out to some, jim 
need some big boy sizes too, by the way. They shrunk. It's a little uh that's that's my problem, not anyone else's, but uh <laughs> did they but shrink, yeah, Sean? Did they, they? Did a little bit. It, was, it was a little unfortunate. I was like, ooh. Um anyway, so uh seeing Mike get that moment, being able to kind of step outside of himself a little bit was certainly a lot of fun and kind of comes at a great time for this season because the te- the team albeit hasn't even played 10 games and there they are looking like themselves again right mm-hmm. and um it culminates into what now is a four game win streak yeah good stuff brandon what do you got yeah i mean it's great that the fours that they've been kind of thrown up in those post game pictures ironically happen to fit the 400 wins um as sean pointed out cool moment that it happens to come against his the team that he got his first start against i can't find his career percentage as a head coach but i know it was up there they played a graphic last night um, I think it's 6-12. He was a really good company yeah like for reference to just to put into perspective how many games 400 really is De'Aaron fox has won 177 games in his nba career Obviously hasn't been on great teams. Harrison Barnes been in the league a long time, won 447 games throughout the course of his career. So um, definitely an impre- impressive feat for Mike Brown. You know, I love that, you know, he does not want to take that credit necessarily, wants to recognize Keegan's big night. Keegan had probably the best defensive night. I feel like I've seen him have that night and was definitely going to get the recognition for that in their little fun post game. But Domas and Jordy and them took it into their own hands and it, it made for a fun moment. And just the energy around this team right now seems to have flipped so much. I, I don't even know necessarily if internally they were necessarily all too concerned after those wins, like Mike or after those losses to Houston. I know Mike pitched it as adversity being a good thing and, you know, they're actually being a silver lining here, but the energy around this team through these four wins, they're playing their brand of basketball. Um, they seem to be having fun in doing so. So, they're trending in the right direction for sure. Yeah, Brendan, I want to ask you this. Like, how much different is it for you? Like, we we do this on occasion where we kind of go back to Brendan who's seeing things with fresh eyes. But you were there for Luke Walton getting fired. You were there for the the Alvin Gentry era. You were there for, like, Mike Brown's first year. But to see something like this, the accolades come to a coach, I just want to get your perspective on on how cool it is for you to actually be part of like the scrum and then go in the locker room afterwards after something like this happened. Yeah, honestly, I think I don't even realize the extent of the moment until I kind of fully do my research on it. You know, like I didn't realize coming into the day that this was necessarily a feat he could reach. And I had to look up those HB De'Aaron numbers and stuff like that, just for my own point of reference to really comprehend how impressive winning 400 games in this league is and doing it on such a good winning percentage. Um, Mike has been easily my favorite personal favorite coach to cover like Alvin was very fun and the Luke thing was weird for me because I came in not long before he got fired so kind of a weird situation from my perspective but like the group has clearly embraced Mike Brown's identity we talked about last year like him being a defensive coach but he's leaned into the offense because that's their strengths this year it's all about how can we get better defensively and the team is totally bought into that so it's a cool moment for sure it's cool to see his team embrace that moment and celebrate it with him and just be writing this and really his ideas to some success recently. Yeah. It's been a fun week. Um, you know, like this team, it does have a really good spirit. We saw the, the overtime victory over Portland, which was still a struggle. didn't look like the Kings yet, but then we get to that Friday game against Oklahoma and all of a sudden the Kings look like the Kings again. And they're like tough 
and like uh, I would put OKC as like one of the more physical teams or like they like to get in your face. They like to play defense. Typically, they're not a great rebounding team, but the Kings just buzzsaw through them. We get to the Cavs. And again, that's a team that you would think would have the Kings would have problems with. They're long, they're athletic, you know, and it, they were no competition. Like the Kings if I think three of their last four are wired wire wins. And the one other game, I think like they, their opponent had had a three point lead at some point during the game. And that was it. So like, they're not just winning, they're winning like very, very convincingly. And that takes us to the the Lakers game last night, uh, a 125-110 win for the Kings. They just, like, let's start with Demonis Sabonis. Like, first of all, he's 8-0 against Anthony Davis. What he did to Anthony Davis in that game was, like, almost shameful. Like, Anthony Davis and him are, like, the two guys that you're kind of looking at behind Jokic and Embiid as the best centers in the game. And head-to-head... It's not even a competition, and I'm just kind of surprised. You know, we watch him walk into that game. What's he put up? Like 27 points, 16 rebounds, like seven assists, something like that. A bunch of steals, maybe a block or two. Um, just where are you guys at with watching Sabonis and sort of the even if we look at like his last four games, while in the four game win streak, Sabonis is at 24 points, 12.3 rebounds, 9.8 assists but also 1.3 steals and 1.5 blocks per game. He's shooting 67% from the field. Like he's just running through these teams like crazy. And I think we're seeing sort of like the effect of De'Aaron Fox being back, but also just an outstanding player having a, a really nice run. I don't think it's a coincidence. We've seen him be aggressive after that four field goal attempt game in Houston. Like he needed to be better in that game. He needed to do more specifically without De'Aaron Fox still at that point. And since then, 14 field goal attempts, overtime win against Portland against OKC, 15 Cleveland, 10, um, and then 19 last night against the Lakers. And these are teams that have good rim protection, you know, um, specifically the latter two. And he's just going through guys, you know, Mobley and Jared Allen, just going through them. Even Anthony Davis, just putting his shoulder down and, his touch was great. I thought last night he had some little baby hooks with his left and finishes off the glass. Like Sean has been asking a lot for Domas to be more aggressive and we're seeing it, right? Well, yeah, and they made little subtle adjustments to the offense. And I think, you know, what you were talking about with the Thunder game and kind of rolling that into the Cavaliers and then the Lakers, like you mentioned, James, that they look like themselves again. They look like Kings basketball again, but I'd actually offer a different perspective there and say that they're doing things we haven't seen them do and sustain, like being able to defend without fouling, being able to have a sense of physicality, being able to endure some of the physicality against some really physical teams. And those are three teams that I think kind of stand out because all three of them tend to be a little bit physical. I say, especially the, uh, the, the Cavaliers and for whatever reason, they found their stroke along the way as well. So having that, you fought through that. You've seen some of the benefits of that. I think Kevin Herter, you know, really kind of returning to form kind of started a probably back in right before that, that Portland game where he's, it was a, a Houston little bit game. more efficient. Yeah. yeah. A little bit yeah, more efficient. Second Houston game. And kind of rolled on since then. But to f- focus back what you were saying with Domas, I think that's helped him immensely. Um, them being able to uh, 
kind of hold their mud a bit, a bit. And, and having Fox back is obviously huge, but he's been so much more active. And yeah, that four, that four shot attempt game sticks out like a sore thumb for me because that was com- like wholly inappropriate and unacceptable <laughs> for a Kings team that didn't have deer and Fox. So seeing Domas kind of get that, 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 that vibe again, kind of have that swagger again is huge. I don't know what goes into the, you know, eight, no record against Anthony Davis, but I will say I have not been all that impressed in games that I've seen from the Lakers this season. And it starts and ends with Anthony Davis uh, completely. I think there's a big ramp up for him. Um, and he's had a few nice scoring games, but ultimately he doesn't look like the same guy who can, it looks like he's afraid of getting hurt. That's every time, maybe that's my own perception because we've seen him injured so often, but so far in this season with LeBron, not quite being LeBron again, uh, he's obviously fighting father time and not the guy anymore. Right. And they need Anthony Davis to really be the guy. And he showed that he could do that last year when he was healthy. But this year, it seems like a really slow launch, like a soft opening of a restaurant or something where it's just it's a slow ramp up. He's not as he's not being as physical. And Domas, I don't I honestly don't think it was anything that Domas did. I think he's just his craftiness offensively. I just don't think for whatever reason, either AD is healthy, gives a damn. I don't know what it is. I just haven't been impressed with him. And I think Domas absolutely punished him. That was great. But I, I think it had more to do with what's wrong with Anthony Davis and what was wrong, what, what Domanis Sabonis was doing. Yeah, I would like to agree with you, but I would also point out that he did the same exact thing to Jared Allen. And then he did the same exact thing to Chet Holmgren. Like what we're seeing is, you know, even DeAndre Ayton, he like buzzsawed through DeAndre Ayton. So I would say that like, I get what you're saying about Anthony Davis, not being that guy. And I agree with you. He's not that guy. Yeah, I, uh, I don't I don't want to take away from I don't mean to take away from Domas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's being he's fantastic. And and that's what they need from him night in, night out. That that has to be that has to be ever present for them, in my opinion, for them to have that success. But yeah, I just I don't know. I was really just trying to hammer home a point with AD where I'm just, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand if you're a Laker fan right now and you're looking at him. And I know there's not many Laker fans that are listening to this podcast, but you've got to be. I think you got to be concerned. Oh, I would totally, totally agree. And, you know, I would point out that like you kind of said, well, you know, LeBron is going out there and, you know, he's just not the same LeBron last night, 28 points, 12 rebounds, uh, no 10 rebounds, 12 assists, four steals, a block. He did turn the ball over six times. His block was a crazy, crazy ass LeBron James chase down block, which we've seen. It's so funny that we still look at him and like, oh, you know, he's just not the same. He's not the same, except for he still kicks the living crap out of anyone who's in front of him. And, you know, like, really, he's a he is a marvel to watch still. It, it's totally it's totally crazy to watch him uh, like, like at, at his age at almost 40. Well, he's almost 39, like still perform at this level. Yeah, I mean, I know it was one game, too, but even in the course of that game, Kings had 20 steals in that game. 20 steals. Absolutely crazy. And and I want to say six of them came from LeBron James just losing the handle and, and getting it taken away. Literally having it thieved like De'Aaron Fox literally taking his lunch. And <laughs> you saw it like five or six times in that game. Again and again, man. I, and it wasn't just him. I mean, it, like any, when you have 20 steals, that's crazy. And then the deflection number was even higher. I think that uh, I think Will Z stats had it like they had 26 deflections, something like that. 
you, you just remember back to the plays where like Keegan Murray's waving his hand like in the air, like, like, and just knocking the ball out of bounds. You're like, what? They're just like the, the defensive intensity has changed. Even if they still are giving up 50% from the field. And I think both of the last two games, um, Keegan's defense get... has been amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. I totally it, he was agree. ridiculous that last game. Yeah. And we're going to get to Keegan because, um, I think it, that's a much larger discussion because it's not just how good he's been defensively, but what it means when, if Keegan is going to be this guy. So we're going to touch on that in, in just a minute. Um, let's, let's get to a little bit of busy work though. Um, Sean, you were able to get that Trey Lyles has been cleared. Why don't you give us the the latest on Trey Lyles? Well, yeah, I mean, we saw him ramp up his his workload again. He had another individual workout before the road trip, before the six-game road trip, before they went to L.A. Um, and if anyone saw that video, I mean, he was going at it probably harder than he did um, two weeks ago, I think it was, before they went to Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had a lot of – I still don't know if he's had a setback. I think they're just being really overly cautious, which is a good thing, and he's just not quite there yet, but – um, yeah, he's be able to able to return to basketball related activities, which is good. And, you know, they're going to see how this progress goes, but yeah, he's out for tomorrow. He won't play in San Antonio. Um, but this is, uh, it's, it's a positive sign, you know, hopefully get him back. Uh, I think he's kept the weight down, which is, which is really good. Um, especially cause he came into camp in such terrific shape and really building off of the success he had last year. So yeah, right now it's just a wait and see and see how these next, really few days, maybe week goes before he can really start to become a possibility to play in some games. Sean, I got to say that workout, didn't it, it, did it look that much different than the one, two weeks ago? A little bit because he wasn't running the floor. Everything happened in the half court, really in the key yeah. and around the paint. Yeah. He, he was having to, he was having to run the floor and you could tell it was, you know, it was kind of kicking his ass a bit as a guy who probably hasn't been yep. able to run very much. So um, yeah, a little bit different for sure. I was curious to see if they were going to have, um, you know, coaching assistants kind of just hitting him with pads down low a little bit, just to kind of see how he absorbs the contact. I kind of thought that might be coming, but no, I think they were really just going to see how he was able to run the floor, launch from three, get in the paint, dunk a few times, come back out and just keep these, kind of the system kind of rolling and this is back and forth run down the court and if you anyway you see the video i mean he's not running top speed it's a very light jog but um it was it was whooping him yeah the kings need him they need him bad uh just because you can see where the hole is there at the at the center slash power forward position where he's just a stabilizing force for this team uh we also have the injury to alex len high ankle sprain right ankle um karis lavert like i don't we can I don't even want to get into that. Like he's just such a sloppy player and just like <laughs> lost his footing like 17 Stop. times in that game and fell down. And the, the one it's time he did fall down. There's nothing dirty about it though. Yeah. What the hell? There's nothing dirty about? about it. It's just like, uh, just come on, man. James That's is like, like, screw you, Karis Lavert. No, no, it's not that at all. It's, it's like, <laughs> my goodness, man. It's like watching Moses Brown out there just like flailing at people. Like, did, holy did you cow. have the more than on Alex rebounds or? Yeah, I think something. No, I would nice never picks, take uh... the more than Alex <laughs> rebounds. So we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, all right. So uh, you're listening to the King's Beat podcast here on Blue Wire. Um, let's get into the – Brandon brings it up, the the prize pick thing. Um, prize pick, of course, is a sponsor of the show here at the King's Beat. And it's become, dare I say, like a nightly ritual with some of the other our, – our media friends where we're all making picks, or at least some of us are making picks and Sean is not. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of cool, especially like this weekend. I was thinking about it this weekend – the Kings play Dallas Mavericks. But one of the cool things about prize picks is that if you're, you want to do like a, a larger, like a, a six pick for the, eve, for the, for the day, uh, you don't just have to stay on one sport. You can actually look at the Kings versus Mavericks. You could also look at like the San Francisco 49ers game, uh, which will be played around the same time. And so you can pick and mix, mix a match, which is kind of cool. Brennan, have you hit any of these lately? Cause uh, I'm my goodness. I'm so bad. Uh, I, I did, I think one game I did. Okay. But overall it's been pretty ugly. Yeah. I did participate last game and yes. thought I felt okay. And it did not go great. It was like, I think I had Harrison points and rebounds together or something. It was a low number. It was a low number. I know everybody told me I was dumb. Yeah. And yeah, something like Donovan Mitchell assists. I was really close to, and there was a Jared Allen free throw that would have taken him to above 2.5 and he missed the free throw and never came back in the game. Um, so not a great start for me. Those we'll are my favorites going. where you're like, Oh wow. Keegan Murray goes out of the game. I wonder if he's going to come back because if he doesn't come back, they will take him off the board. Oh, and there, Oh, he might come back. He's cleared to come back to the game, but he may or may not come back into the game. You're like, Oh man, that's like, it's that's not great. That's not great for yeah. anyone out it, there. It, it's my first and last on a Kings game that I'm at. I can't do it. I can't awesome. do it personally. Sean's like, nope, I'm not doing it. Well, I, I wouldn't. It's not that I, I, I look. I like prize picks a lot. I would do it. I'm, I wouldn't do it at the game I'm covering. Okay. Um, huge distinction there. So, um, yeah. And to me, it's not. I, I make my picks it's not something I'd be pining over because I don't think you're doing yourself any favors by doing that, but make your picks, check it at the end of the night. I bet if you keep a blind eye to it and you'll be pleasantly surprised at the end of the night. All right. Probably that's, not because that's I'm really, my, that's my strategy. I'm really bad you know? at it. <laughs> yeah. You, you, well, I'm seeing you go through it. So it is <laughs> no, fun. Oh, that's the funny I'm thing. A good for time some, with it. For, for, it's, it's like this guy must enjoy getting kicked in the gut because, or lower because <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun, but he hasn't had success yet. No, I, I think the only uh, the only thing that I will like stick with if I am going to do any Kings related 
is Kevin Herter with the points and rebounds combination and uh, Malik Monk on assists. Like for some reason, those are two stats that are always lower than they than they probably should be. And so I, I do more and I and I come up wins. So anyway, uh, you can jump in the description down below. There's a link to Price Picks uh, through the Kings Beat. Uh, it's also in the Kings Beat newsletter. Um, but uh, play responsibly, have fun. Um, we just, you know, again, I just do it as an added element to what I'm doing, and I, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, let's get to this Keegan Murray thing. I got to be honest. Like watching Keegan Murray in college, I thought, okay, he can be a league average defender, right? Like, I don't think he'll be great. I don't think he'll be bad. Uh, I was very clear during the draft process that, like, I don't, there are a couple of things that I don't think will translate well for Keegan. Number one, I think he can be a decent rebounder, but I don't think he'll average 8.5 or whatever it was that he did at, at Iowa. Um, and then the other thing that I didn't think would translate would be like the shot blocking, which it hasn't, you know, he averaged like 1.8 blocks per game in college. It's just really tough to get weak side shot blocks as a guy who's six foot eight at the NBA level. But all of a sudden we're seeing this kid like take this leap on the defensive end. And I think it kind of like in a way it, it changes everything. Like the trajectory of Keegan Murray, if he's, if he's a 22 point per game scorer, it changes who the Kings are moving forward. That means they've got a legitimate big three, but if he's all of a sudden, even an 18 point game per game guy, and you add that, that he might be a plus plus defender that can do multi-positional defend uh, defending. I, I really do think that it makes the Kings a much like it, it increases our ceiling going forward. Um, it started with, uh, I mean, I thought he was good in the OKC game, but really to me, it started with the Donovan Mitchell game. Just where were you guys, you guys at? We'll start with Brennan. Um, this, uh, you got a six foot eight guy running around defending a six foot one guard and somehow staying in front of him and, and making an impact on the defensive end. I think there's been like some signs here and there that make you wonder throughout his career. Like I think game three or four of his rookie season, they were against the Clippers and he was assigned to Paul George and did a pretty good job late in that game. Or you go back to the Warriors game this year, you know, they end up putting him on Steph Curry and, and then the two most recent definitely stand out. Like to be able to put him on Donovan Mitchell, like you're talking about or on Steph Curry and him being able to work through screens, I, I think is one of the biggest parts, really getting his shoulder around screens, being able to stay with guys. He obviously has good length and he's moving his feet. Great. He's just so engaged. Like last night, um, LeBron comes across half court and he's sitting there waiting at half court low in a defensive stance, hands out, super active. Um, I, I think that he's been doing a great job. He's exerting all that effort on that end of the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and it's definitely paying off. Um, the YouTube side will know why I hesitated. Cost but, off the best of Sean right there. <laughs> um, but it, it's been amazing, man. The versatility that exists for it to be Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, and then also that translate to LeBron James has been so valuable for this Kings team and genuinely does sort of change the conversation around what Keegan's ceiling could be. And it's, it's a short sample, but these three games it's two games it's been really different i don't feel like we've seen anything close to this from keegan yeah and, and to me this season it really began in with the steph curry game uh in, in in golden state now granted you're seeing guys like curry sga um even donovan mitchell i mean they're still getting theirs let's not make it sound like he's 
you know, shutting him down like Kobe yeah. stopped Ruben Patterson or something like that, even though I, I bring that up because Ruben Patterson never really stopped Kobe. Um, but he's showing I think where it's really impactful is the team defense because um, you know, Mike Mike Brown started with the zone, and I think it really he doesn't want to play his own, but he kind of it kind of comes from there a little bit. Them tinkering with some things to try to cut down the fouling, obviously increase um defensive productivity. And the easiest way to cut down fouling, don't put Chris Duarte don't foul. on the court. Don't put Chris <laughs> don't, don't, on the court. Don't reach. Oh, go ahead. Well, and you, and you can see these guys, like, they're really true. I mean, the verticality, the, the hands up in the air, you can tell that this has been points of emphasis. And they, right now, kind of look like one of those um, uh, try-hard varsity teams that are just really focusing in on, on one thing. And uh, it, it's working. I want to see 10 games from now. You got some scouting reports out there. Um, you got a lot of scouts at games, by the way, right now, and uh, see see how teams adjust to it and and what they do. But um, yeah, so far so good, and I think they're. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think even with the scouting, I think Keegan is going to have that kind of um, expectation, you know. And 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 really, you know, I'll give another tip of the cap too. I think you know his rebounding has been something that he's really focusing on as well. So um, Keegan is a very polarizing player for this team and this team success going forward. And we all talk about, can he make that big leap? And, you know, my whole thing was replicating last year and, and giving him a little bit of breathing room to stretch his legs a little bit and kind of develop as a player. And if he takes that big leap next year, I think that goes a long way, but shoot, if he can do it this year and accelerate that process, that will help immensely with this team. And I honestly think a large majority of the team has taken a deep defense, a leap defensively. Like De'Aaron has been super aggressive in the games that we've seen him. Domas's verticality, I think, has been great. He hasn't been in foul trouble all too often. Coaches really, really talked about his verticality. We saw Malik stand in there and take a charge, even if it did get overruled, like just rotating was, to be in position to do it. That was weird. Yeah, how it just like became a no call. <laughs> yeah, I... I it's like it's either going to be a block or a charge like Rex Chapman. And it was neither. Right. It was like, no, it was we just inadvertent whistle after review. What I guess. I don't know. Let's just side out. Let's go. Yeah. Very strange. That that was weird. So, yeah, just to like right now, Kagan's averaging 14.4 points, 6.8 rebounds, 1.9 assists. He's 1.5 steals per game and 0.7 blocks. The other thing I'd point out, is he, he's averaging 14.4, but he's shooting 38.7 from the field and 29.6 from three. When those numbers get to his standard numbers, he won't have to do anything other than just shoot his standard averages, and he'll be at either 17 or 18 a game. Like, we're going to see him take this statistical leap right here, and it won't even be because he's doing anything different except for hitting shots. And I think we're slowly starting to see him hit shots. I'd say the one thing that was really interesting to me was when he he said in our media post game that he's just more athletic than he was last year. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like typically you don't hear a player say he's more athletic, but it kind of goes back to like what I've heard with with the team where they all think that that both of the Murrays, like they have young bodies, they were late bloomers, and that they could morph their bodies, you know, as as a training staff you really could put like an emphasis on either bulking up or on making them more athletic or, you know, changing their ability, like flexibility and everything else. And so I think it's interesting because he does look more athletic. Like I remember in the playoffs, 
like Steph Curry just ran by him every time and went right to the rack. And Keegan Murray could never get there for the block and also couldn't stay in front of him. It just doesn't feel like that's the same right now. So I, I think it's it's pretty strong to see. Um, I, I don't know like if he's going to be a lockdown defender every single night or if he's going to be able to do, uh, you know, continue on this path. But if he can play the three and I mean, if he can guard Davion, uh, Donovan Mitchell, excuse me, um, if he can guard Donovan, then he can play the three and he's not just a four. And then that adds a whole nother thing to the Kings, like the versatility of roster construction moving forward. If you're, if you have a three or a four in him, and you can go chase a stretch, a stretch four or stretch five, and start moving pieces around. It really does help you. Um, let's get. I oh, think real quick. I think a lot of this comes from you're like, oh, if you can guard, guard Donovan Mitchell, you could do X, Y, and Z. It's like, I think a lot of this comes from if I can guard De'Aaron Fox, I can do X, Y, and Z. And they spent so much time playing one on ones this off season, and I think that did so much for Keegan. De'Aaron talked about how he thinks Keegan is just moving better than he did last year. Coach mentioned them playing ones a lot, like him getting a lot of reps of guarding what is widely viewed as the fastest player in the league with the ball probably helped a lot. I, I totally, uh, totally agree. I think that's a really good point. Um, Bren, let's, uh, let's, let's go to the next topic here. Um, Keegan Murray is coming around, right? Offensively, he, he's had better games. It hasn't been like this straight, you know, all of a sudden he went from like, oh, I can't hit anything to I'm great again. Um, he did have a couple of really, really solid games, but then um, some sort of hit and miss here and there. Even like the Lakers game, I think he finished with nine points on three of nine shooting. The guy who hasn't missed is Kevin Herter. And watching him all of a sudden become like the dude is really wild to watch. Um, like he started the first five games of the season. He was, I think he was five of 25 from three. He was shooting 20%. And here we are at game 10 and he's already over. He's at like 39% from three. Uh, he's totally found himself. And not only that, but he's given the Kings like a third option that I didn't think that they would have in him. Uh, I, I guess we'll start with you, Sean, just what have your impressions been of Kevin? And I, again, I think it started in the second Houston game where he was the one guy who had energy with the starters, but then it carried over to Portland. It carried over to OKC. It carried over to Cleveland and then, of course, we have the 28-point game against the Lakers, too. Yeah, it just gets in the right headspace. Get a couple to go down, and you kind of start to go, okay, I'm back to normal. I mean, people remember how Kevin Herter started last year and then ended last year was not well, not good. So it's just the the life and times of a shooter in this league. And and when it's going down, things are – or when it's, when it's going down, things are great. And when you're missing, it can really disrupt – your confidence as a player um but shooters are going to continue to shoot and right now he's on a heater and i think it bodes well for sacramento because all these guys that have experienced shooting woes along the way have kind of gotten right at the same time um there's probably some like i don't know if it's magic or chemistry or whatever it is that there, there's something that goes with that when when things are flowing and, and when the shots are falling they're a fun team to watch i mean especially when the ball is zipping around the way they do and they play a certain brand of basketball and it culminates into what you saw last night against the lakers team that was frankly running in mud they don't shoot very well and they're on the second night of a back-to-back -back. and they also have a bunch of guys that don't that, i mean they don't have a very creative offense either so um I think watching the Kings that came at a really good time for them because they're able to go in there and 
kind of continue what they've been doing. And it's, it's fun to watch Kevin because through this whole process of him really kind of trying to figure it out, you know, going from that Houston game to a Portland overtime win against a really depleted team to a physical win against OKC to an even other physical brand of basketball with the Cavs. Um, you see this progression from them and each game has been this like building you to where you are now in this, in this stretch. And especially with Fox back, I think Fox certainly helps uh, Kevin Herter, but it happened before that to see, to see that two man game again with, with Domas was, was so huge. So they're all kind of going through things and finding the rhythm. And it's just interesting. Cause like there's, there's going to be obviously all year, there's going to be so much of a focus of last season. And we are at 10 games now and you have a six and four record. Well, this time last year, they were four and six. They didn't have any injuries. Um, people were still feeling pretty good about themselves. So knowing what they've already gone through so far this season, dealing with injuries, dealing with, you know, kind of trying to knock off some of the, the the rust, if you will, and try to get back to what you were looking like offensively last year, all the while with a focus on defense and physicality to know that you're two games better in the win column through 10 games than you were last season. It's got to be a pretty good feeling. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Brendan, what do you got for us? Yeah. I mean, I think that Sean nailed it with the Kevin conversation that like, this is just life as a shooter in the league. And the same way that he said, I think De'Aaron has helped Kevin. I think Kevin has helped De'Aaron and Domas. Like that spacing is so important to this team. Kevin's pace is phenomenal. You know, yeah. I, I like especially open court's great. Uh, and I think a lot of players are great in the open court with their pace, his half court pace. Like I will continue saying this. He is sprinting through every action all the time, every single possession. And he's usually chasing a guy on the other end that is also running through screens like the conditioning. If you just watch Kevin Herter, he's running his ass off every single game. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that and stopping on a dime and taking pull-up jumpers when you've been sprinting as much as he has. Um, so, you know, these first five games, 6.8 points, 5.4 rebounds, 2.6 assists, 28.9% from the field, 20% from three. Most recent five games, 21.2 points, 4.6 rebounds, 3.4 assists, 55% from the field, 48.9% from three. They're definitely going down. Um, it's helping the Kings. The ones after offensive rebounds, which is something the Kings have gotten really good at throughout the course of this year. Coach Brown credited Jay Triano for emphasizing that um, it's it unlocks so much for this offense and they've looked like themselves offensively and made progress defensively. Yeah, I, I enjoyed in the Lakers game. He just like kept shooting and then he had the heat check, which was like ridiculous and he missed. And I think he even airballed it, right? Uh, or it was really close to an airball. He walked over, uh, they called a timeout. He walks over to the, uh, to the bench and not only was he exhausted, but his face was red because he was blushing. I thought it was like a really funny moment. Cause it was like, oh yeah, I just did that. I, I probably shouldn't have done that. Um, like watching him like pull out of the slump has been pretty cool to see, uh, especially for a guy who, you know, I, I think he got, he got knocked off kilter in training camp. Like, I think he, he had done his work we're seeing that he's in better shape. That's why Brennan, you talk about the speed and like how he just doesn't stop running. He's in better shape than he was last year. I think you can already see that. But on top of it, um, I, I think that the discussion about Chris Duarte, it came out of left field, uh, like Duarte starting over him. And it really like knocked him off his game. And I think that he probably, even before we knew it, 
there was already some murmurs behind the scenes and he had already started to show signs of being like a little off and you know, that happens. So I, I think I don't want to give Mike credit, uh, a bunch of credit, you know, Mike Brown, a bunch of credit for like, for getting him out of a slump, because I think part of the reason he was in a slump was Mike Brown. Uh, but I also think that that's coaching. And I think at some point that Kevin Herter could look back at this particular situation and feel like he got better. Uh, whether it's on the offensive end or on the defensive end. I think he is a better defensive player today than he was, you know, a month ago. And I think that that at the end is all Mike Brown was trying to do. And it just kind of got there in a strange way. Uh, all right. So, mistake, I mean, if he goes into another funk over, um, <clears throat> let's say, yeah. a five-game period, you're going to see more Chris Duarte or you're going to see more uh, Davion Mitchell. You're going to see more. I mean, it depends on who's playing well at the time, but Keon Ellis, you know, that's that's part of having depth and that's how mike is looking at this team and saying if someone ain't got it you know we don't have time for them to figure it out you know yeah you, it's a next man up figure it out right so it's next man up mentality and they'll roll with whoever's playing well okay uh you are listening to the king's beat uh if you don't mind give us a thumbs up if you're still watching here on youtube um give us a rating review wherever you're watching uh or listening to your podcast that helps us um Let's get to the other guy. Uh, Who's that? Is it just me or is De'Aaron Fox becoming a superstar like in front of our eyes? Like, I, I don't know if he can become a superstar because he plays in Sacramento and no one outside of Sacramento is ever going to go, oh, that kid's a superstar. But if, if you're that good. I think he's becoming that good. And I think it's pretty crazy to watch somebody who, again, like has a, a pretty substantial ankle sprain and then comes back and like instantly he's averaging 29 points a game again, but not only 29 points, but you know, like 1.8 steals per game. Like he's doing all of this crazy defensive stuff, which we aren't used to seeing him do. He's just so much better than he was before. And uh, I think he's going to start getting more and more notoriety, especially with, you know, number one, the Kings being on national TV last night and everyone getting to see him, you know, perform that way on national TV but then him getting a shoe deal and him being like the the second face of of Under Armour with Steph Curry. So I think we're starting to see the momentum build for him to get more notoriety. Uh, but Sean, we'll start with you. Like, just what have you seen from him? Uh, you know, whether it's like the the jumper following or him him talking flat out talking shit to Lakers fans in the crowd last night. Like there's just, it looks like De'Aaron Fox is a little bit different and like ready to say, Hey man, I I'm him. Well, it's, I, I push back a little on that only because it's nice. It's you're right. He's learning to keep his foot on the gas, right? He's, he's doing it on both sides of the floor. Um, you know, having, I mean, it goes back to the trade, man, you know, having Domas around him has really opened him up and, and become this guy that ha doesn't have the pressure on him that he once did and, and play and, and be in a, play a certain style of basketball that suits him. And there's a lot of things that happen at the right time for him. I, if you, if you want to call it, you know, blossoming into a superstar, that's fine. De'Aaron's always been that dude. That's going to It's going to be chirping. Uh, he walks over to, jb bickerstaff earlier in the game and they're having a conversation and you know obviously he's called out flops when he sees it in a very funny an animated, animated yeah. way when he does um but he's always been a guy that's you know been a little sarcastic little prick out there and i love it i mean that's the <laughs> type of stuff he and i share the same birthday so i think there's a um 
stop we, it. You can be a, you can be a dick. You can be an asshole out there, and you can be <laughs> fine with that. That's there's I embrace that, and I and he's always had that sarcastic kind of style to him, which is which is great. I've, I've, he's been, some people called that arrogant and cockiness when he came into the league. I didn't, I mean, it's just a, it's all in fun. He's having fun out there. And when it kind of coincides with, Oh my God, look what I'm able to do on with the basketball in my hands and being able to score and, and blossom into, you know, what he has ultimately envisioned for himself and then do it as a two-way player. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. To me, it's really more speaks to more to him stepping into his prime, stepping into becoming this best player on the team and being that um, that focal piece. But seeing him not just do it in the fourth quarter. I mean, he's he's guys he's blowing by guys. You go back to that Laker game. Look at how many blowbys he has against some Laker defenders, especially in the open court. You know, people people have a, a like a a fear of seeing LeBron James in the open court. Cause he's so damn big and he's a freight train, but deer and Fox might even be scarier because you blink and he's gone. I mean, that speed is so, so incredible. Uh, and knowing that you can, you have to not only respect that, but his whole, the rest of his team is running there right with him. It's not like him as a rookie where he jumps out there and has to be the good teammate, wait for his team to catch up. Um, this, they're all up there with him, even on the fast break. So, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to see. I don't know if it's, you know, him becoming a superstar, but they may not need him becoming a superstar. Do this. This is, this is, this is fantastic for Sacramento. It's fantastic for the Kings. Seeing him be a, a defender is, is remarkable. And, uh, just really everyone knows he's capable of it. It's just keeping the foot on the gas. So what's this look like in December and January? And that was what we saw last year. He kept his foot on the gas uh, there wasn't really a, a huge let up. And if the scoring numbers continue the way they are, yeah, you'll talk about him in that kind of realm with the upper echelon stars in this league. Yeah, I do think it's been different. Uh, the shit talking has always been there and I've loved it as well. Like, it, especially on fouls, somebody fouls him and tries to complain. I guarantee De'Aaron is going to tell them, bro, look, there's a mark on my arm. You just fouled me or whatever it is. He makes a, a nice bucket, is on a run. He'll do a little skip down the court because he's feeling himself. He's always been that guy. But I think there's been three differences so far this year. I, I think the defense that Sean talked about has been night and day. Like we've seen moments of it throughout his career, but I think it's been consistent every minute that he's out there. He's hounding guys at the point of the attack. He's super aggressive and active with his hands. Um, I think the consistency that Sean mentioned too, like so often it was waiting for the fourth quarter, or maybe not waiting, but slowly ramping is ramping up and feeling out the game and coverages and letting his other teammates get a rhythm because not everybody can turn it on the way he can. But I think we've seen it very consistently throughout all his minutes this year, even in the first half, like he's dropped 37 and 39. He had 37 plus on five occasions last year and he's already at that point so that and then I think the three-point shot that he's taken 7.8 so far this year the volume has really been there and there's been times last uh, in previous seasons where he shoots a lot at the beginning of the year and slows down so I'm interested to track that see how that you know alters as the year goes on but 7.8 a game on just under 36 percent is it's pretty solid when he's getting up five a game last year and not very often I feel like he's chucking shots. He had a huge three, I think right before half uh, last game. And like his shot looks so confident this year. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd also add, like, if, if he's going to be a guy who who takes those extra threes per game. So last year he was at five. This year he's at 7.8, like like Brendan said. I don't expect him to stay at 7.8. I, I would think he's probably going to drop back to somewhere around seven, right? But if he's averaging two more three-point attempts, and then the other stat that's jumped up is he's back up to seven assists, I mean, seven uh, free throw attempts per game. Um, you know, like... In 2020-21, he was at 7.2, but then he dropped down to 5.9 and 6. Uh, if he can stay around 7 there and stay around 7 three-pointer attempts per game, he's going to average between like 28 and 30 a game. Uh, and right now he's he's tied for fifth in the NBA in scoring if he had enough games played. Um, he's tied with Jokic for fifth in scoring at 30 points per game. It's pretty impressive. Um, and, and I dig everything he's like... His personality's always been a lot of fun, like both off the court and like watching him be like, like cocky and little, you know, like, like what you said, Sean, he's a prick. Yeah. If you can see, if if you can, you know, I know I'm kind of promoting my former station, but I did a feature on him at a basketball camp. It's a mother. It's a, he did it with his mother who's a breast cancer survivor, Lorraine. um, And it was, did a basketball camp and he's got all these kids in there. And, I've got him mic'd up and he's like literally talking shit with kids. It's amazing. And it's not like it's in a done in a, in a negative way. I don't want anyone to think he's a bully, but he's holding his own. Like these, these kids are talking about, he's talking about like math and try how he was really good at math. And he starts testing kids and their knowledge of math and you know, how to find the, it's just, it's, it's hilarious. If you get a chance, it's probably on YouTube somewhere, but it's mic'd up and, and he's, uh, <laughs> you can see him just talking and and ironically, for a guy who signed with Steph Curry, it's the same moment where he's like, he's got all these kids and he's going to pick guys to come up, all these kids to come up and participate with him. And they're all, you know, raising their hands and everything. And one kid wore Curry's to his camp. And oh. he's like, I'm not picking you. You're wearing Curry's. And he's giving him shit about it the entire time. <laughs> and then at one point, the kid just throws, chucks the shoes off of his feet and still raises his hand. I mean, it's just some of the funniest stuff to see. But that's even in a, in a, manner like that where it's on the basketball court he's a competitive guy obviously he he's a he's a gamer and he plays video games and he you know wears a headset and there's just a whole bunch of shit talk that goes on there plus you've seen his social media activity lots of shit talk there so um yeah he can he can he can he can hang (laughs) yeah he's fun and and i i do think that we're seeing like the beginnings of him getting the notoriety you know last year he finished uh, you know, he's third team all NBA, but he actually came in 11th place in the voting and Sabonis was 12th, if I'm not mistaken. So they barely missed like second team all NBA. And that's a big deal. Like, like he's right there on the cusp. I'm not saying he, he might be a top 10 NBA player. And by the end of this season, he might be able to cement himself as maybe a little higher than that. And so like, if you're going to walk away and your team goes, what? two and three with you gone and then you step back on the court and all of a sudden your team's just like unstoppable again um that probably means you're a really good player so uh it probably means that your team is really damn good too like everybody's so focused on getting a third guy that's how the kings take a next step like if De'Aaron takes another jump into the caliber that we're talking about he potentially could like that's another jump for the team as a whole yeah no it's a it's a very good point uh let's talk about the I don't know why he calls it a pink elephant in the room, just the elephant in the room, but uh, the elephant and the pink hey, elephant you, in the room. If it, if it was pink, it's you're going to look at it even more crazy. Yeah, I guess so. 
the the pink elephant in the room, we're using a Mike Brown term here. Uh the Davion Mitchell situation has gone weird. And like I don't know where it's gonna end up, but I don't think it's anywhere good. Uh Davion has had two straight DMP CDs, did not play coaches' decisions. He's healthy, he's on the sidelines. Uh Keon Ellis is playing in front of him. Um, and not only is Keon Ellis playing in front of him, but you could see a world in which Colby Jones, uh, like Mike, get a shot at doing this as well. Uh, Colby goes down to the G League and does something crazy like 18 points, no, 16 points, nine assists, six rebounds, and eight steals. And they blow a team out. Um, and you could see like where he might get some sort of opportunity at some time. But where are we at with, with Davion Mitchell? And how do you... How does this thing work out? Is this are we seeing the end of Davion Mitchell's run in Sacramento, or is this just a hiccup where Mike Brown's trying something different and looking for energy from someone else? And Keon Ellis raised his hand, said, "I'm I'm the dude." Well, I mean, he, go ahead, Brendan. Like Davion's gonna play again. Like at some point here, Keon is going to have a little bit of a tough stretch. It could be two straight possessions where coach doesn't like what Keon says, and I would bet that coach will very quickly go back to Davion. And when Davion comes back in the game, he's going to have something to prove. And I bet you he's going to play his ass off and probably play pretty well. Like there's a chance he does too much maybe when trying to prove something. But I think Davion's going to get his chance to come back around. I think Keon's been playing well. And really the def- the difference has been the offense, right? Like if you look at the starting lineup with the three different point guards out there, with De'Aaron, obviously the best, right? 126 offensive rating, 105 defensive, 20.9 net rating. Um, you go to Keon, 108.5 offensive rating, 98.6 defensive, plus 9.8 net rating. Davion's number is the, the number with him in that lineup. Again, same other four guys around him. 92 offensive rating, 108 defensive, minus 16.7. He's the only guy negative in that net rating. Like the lineup just has not looked the same offensively with him out there. The pace doesn't look great. I think there's an aspect of making that entry pass to the big man is a little bit more difficult and complicated for Davion just because he doesn't have that same size. So, you know, I do think that there have been some offensive things with Davion that need to get figured out, but I would definitely bet that at some point Keon is not going to have a great stretch, just the nature of it. And Davion's going to go back out there with something to prove. I would argue I would argue that Keon hasn't even had a good stretch that he's just brought energy and he's played with pace. It's not like he's, he's just killing it. No, he he is. That's exactly what's asked of him that he's doing exactly what he needs to do. That he's out there that he is doing what Mike Brown wants from that position. He's playing defense. He's getting in passing lanes. He's getting deflections. He doesn't care about his scoring. He doesn't care about his shooting. He doesn't care about, he cares about pace, defense, energy, play like you've got some life. Don't slow it down. And Davion slowed it down. And it was not a good fit at times with some of the other four players on the court as Brendan laid out there, but it's not a permanent thing. And Davion of all people knows this. He's not over there sulking. He's waiting for the opportunity again. He knows what Mike Brown was looking to do. I think Davion came into this season looking like, hey, I got to score the ball. I got to shoot better. I got to be able to stay on this court. And it's taken away from some of the focus of, no, you just need to run this offense. You need to push the pace, which I thought he did very well in preseason. 
and you need to defend at a high level. And his on-ball defense has been pretty good. Defense, the other, the rest of the stuff is, it, it can be mismanaged at times. Without having Fox, I think has hurt him because I think they wanted to have him and Fox play uh, together at certain times of the season. But what Keon Ellis has done to me has been exceptional. Uh, he's done everything that they've wanted him to do, and I think, you know, he's not a shooter, right? He's not this guy that's going to go out there and be a shooter, but he's been able to impact and muck up the game and help that physicality and do everything that they're looking to do and they've won let's face it since they've gone to him they haven't lost so how's mike brown supposed to pull him out of the rotation again i was asked earlier in the week in a radio thing about you know what does this do for davion i to me i didn't think it was going to necessarily impact him as much as it was uh chris duarte because of how much he's fouled (laughs) and how much and what what that's looked like but even Chris Duarte, who doesn't need to go out there and score, he's out there for one specific reason, and he's out there to disrupt the game. Even when he's fouling, is disrupting the game. And Mike has talked about that. Like, I'm I'm with you, James. Too, you can't be putting the team at the free throw line five fouls with you know he's six averaging seven point nine fouls yeah. per yeah, thirty. It's brutal. It's brutal. But at the same token, he's the, he's one of the few guys on the team that's willing to put his nose into it and and go through the muck and. You know, Mike's going to give that probably a five-game stint to look at how that really impacts play and get some real numbers behind it and whatever. But we haven't seen the last of Davion Mitchell. We we just this is what Mike Brown does. This is coaching. This is rotating guys in and out. And this is you're going to go with the hot hand. And how is he supposed to go away from Keon Ellis at this point when they're continuing to win? And I know there's some people are like, well, he should have come in at garbage time. Mike Brown has too much respect for Davion Mitchell and where he's at in his career to put him in in the last 13 seconds of a game. You know, that's reserved for your two ways and so your your fringe lineup people. Davion Mitchell's not a fringe lineup guy. And hopefully Keon Ellis isn't either after what he's been able to show over the past week or two. Yeah, I'm going to... Okay, so I, I don't think Keon Ellis has... Like, I, I think he has done what they're asking. He's bringing energy. He's all over the court. He's made a lot of mistakes. You've seen like Domana Sabonis has yelled at him like five times. And it's like, hey, man, this is what you have got to do this, this and this. But I think the problem that that Davion has is, number one, he came out and he played like he he kind of got told that, like, look, you're going to lose your spot here. Like they had the the OKC. I mean, the the Houston games where like it was just a mess. Like he, he was not good in either one of those games. The second Houston Rockets game, he ran a negative 30 for the game. But then he came out in the Portland game, and I thought he was so good. He's six and nine from the field, three or four from three. He's got four assists. He's playing defense. He ends up with four fouls because he was playing defense. 16 points. He looks so solid. He comes out the next game, and it's just flat again. It's like, did you not get the memo? Like, we sent the memo to everyone that we run, and we're a pace team, and like Davion. It, there was a game where they dropped down to an 89 pace. You know, this team, like, it was 104 pace with De'Aaron Fox in the first three games, and they dropped to a 95 pace in the five games he was out. Like, that's unacceptable. And so, like, look, I don't know if he's going to get a whole bunch of other opportunities or not, because uh, the one thing I will point out is that Mike Brown loves multi-positional players. And you look all around this team, Kevin Herter plays a two and the three. De'Aaron Fox plays a one and the two. Uh, Malik Monk plays a one and the two. Demonis Sabonis can play the four and the five. Keegan Murray's the three and the four. Harrison Barnes, the three and the four. Like all of these guys are even Chris Duarte can play one through three. 
like they have a bunch of multi-positional players The only two guys that really stand out that are not multi-positional players at all. Well, maybe there's three uh, is Davion and it's because he's a six foot tall guard. And then it's the two centers and Alex Len and, and JaVale McGee, which you can't like put them next to each other and do like a crazy wild twin towers. So like, I think Mike Brown needs to search for players and I, and I keep bringing this name up, but like, I think what he wants is like Gary Payton, the second, or he wants a Bruce Brown type player. And that's not who Davion is, but that might be who Keon Ellis can be for this team. And it might be who Colby Jones can be for this team. And so I think it puts Davion a pretty, a pretty awkward situation because Malik Monk is back a point guard. He just doesn't like, he might not bring the ball up all the time, but what you're really looking for is that partner that's big enough to play with Malik and to help support Malik on the defensive end, maybe has some versatility. They can play the two, the one, the two, the three, and that's just not who Davion is. And so it's tough to run a, a secondary, a second unit with a, a guy who's six foot tall and a guy who's six foot three and maybe six foot three. I mean, I think Monk's more like six, two with spiky hair and maybe 170 pounds. Uh, like that's not a real big second unit as far as your guards. So anyway, I, I don't know what it means for him long-term. I, I think it's a good question though. And I, and I'm not convinced that, I mean, he could just start playing again tomorrow, right? Or he could not play for a week or two. And then things get really kind of quiet and awkward. Um, I, I wish the best for him because I know he's a hard worker. I know he wants to be good. It's just for whatever reason, he's not being able to translate what the Kings want out of him onto the court. You're listening to the Kings beat. Thanks for tuning in. If you're still listening and still watching, give us thumbs up, give us a rating review, all that good stuff. Um, but let's get to the business of basketball. Um, I, I think there's this question that I, that I have, like the Kings are Fox is back and everything's great. Right. And they're, they're launching off and they're all of a sudden they're six and four and they're, top of the Pacific division again, and they're starting to climb Western conference uh, standings. And, you know, we got all these, these in season tournament games and all this stuff starting to show up and like, but my question is, did, did the De'Aaron Fox absence, is it sort of a warning sign for this team that, uh, that like they have to figure out how to play without him as well as with him. But like that, if he is going to be gone for any, prolonged period that they need to figure out how to be better and they need to figure out how to not have the whole thing come to a crashing halt anytime he misses a game. And is there, is there maybe even like it shows a shines a light on something that this team is missing and you need to go get uh, whether it's via trade or, you know, next off season um, where you can try to supplement what happens when Fox goes off the court. I think you can survive without Fox better than what they did. And I don't think that the backup to your star is necessarily where you're going out and spending assets. Like maybe eventually you figure something small out in free agency or in the draft um, for an eventual replacement. But like, to be blunt, I, I think the team's like pretty screwed if De'Aaron goes down for a long time. And the same thing with Domas, like they rely on their stars and can they keep their head above water? Maybe like, I, I think that they have, encouraging depth that could potentially you know step up in certain moments and 
you know, somebody has to go on a Kevin goes on his streak when De'Aaron's not out there. And I don't know if that would necessarily be the case, but say he does like that makes those games so much easier. And you have different guys that can step up here and there. And again, keep your head above water. But like this team is De'Aaron Fox and Demontis Bonus. I don't disagree. I don't no, know. Sean, what do you got? Uh, I don't know if it makes you analyze too much. I think <clears throat> to me the and we talked about it, you know, the, most alarming thing is um, not looking like yourself, not looking like, like we saw glimpses last year where he wasn't playing and you didn't, you didn't look the same, but you didn't lose your whole identity. Uh, You're still trying to play the right way and pace and all that kind of stuff. So um, to see them go completely the other way was alarming, but you hope that it's some sort of a, anomaly um and you hope you don't i mean in a perfect world you hope you don't see it but i i do believe mike when he says oh good we're early in the season we're facing adversity how do we handle it and the thing i like to kind of point out where you still won six of ten at the end of the day but you had a three-game losing streak and you had lost four or five at one point in that stretch and that was moments without deer and fox largely um, and I think to me, what, what, what stood out was it wasn't, look, it's, it's normal for fans and media to freak out a little bit and, and have so much weight on each game and be, and go through the roller coaster of, oh, this means that, and this means that, and that means that, and that means that, you know, wins and losses and just hanging on every game. But it was another thing to see the team kind of go through it themselves as well. Like, you know having tough conversations as Demona Sabonis called it. It, it, you know, it's not, it's not just the fans and the media that go through this, the players themselves and the coaching staffs themselves, they were, they were going through it as well. Um, it felt like the there was a little thing, doubt. It yeah, felt like there was all, a little doubt. Yeah. But to, to that point where it's like, you don't hang your hat on, well, it's early, which it is. It's incredibly early um, because these are the games that you have to, hopefully take advantage of early on as if to replicate what you did last year uh, and be that type of team. And you hope you've shown growth, but at the same time, like training camps aren't, aren't what they used to be. You know, you don't really have that ramp up period, but you've had largely a month and a half, two months where your team has been around each other already for a significant portion of time. And you're trying to get back to a play to where you were all the while working on some things. But to me, that was the more interesting thing was that, I don't think the Kings showed the poise to just brush it off and say, um, this is an anomaly. We'll wait for Fox or we're not this. We're, you know, they had a knee jerk reaction themselves and saying, Hey, 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 this is unacceptable. We need to change some things up already. We need to get back to doing this. We like there, there were internal conversations and it wasn't good enough. And to me, that's actually a good and a bad, right? Like it's good in the sense that you're addressing it and it worked out. And here you are, you know, a few games later in the midst of a four game uh, win streak. And we saw what it looked like. You, you went through moments where you didn't look like yourself. So you shouldn't have had to really have those, those moments. But another thing, it was just like, are you that fragile? Like, can you, maybe I'm doing a poor way of articulating this, but like, being able to realize that largely, no, this isn't us. We'll be just fine. Um, and continue business as normal. 
And they didn't do that. And I think most people would see that and say, that's fine. We'd rather see them kind of tinker things through and work things through. But it just shows in my eyes, in my mind, a little bit of a delicacy, how, how delicate things can be where if things are going poorly, how quickly they will they will try to do anything different. Rotational things, taking Davion Mitchell out of the rotation, bumping a guy like Keon Murray or Keon Ellis up, um, you know, seeing a, a game where Domas only takes four shots, like these just weird things that happen. And then they're, you know, hyper-focused on other things as opposed to a good team, like in the early 2000s, Rick Adelman was like, I don't care what stretch we're going through. These are my eight players that I'm going to play. I'm not going to go really farther than that unless it's like back-to-backs and schedule things. And this is who we are night in, night out. And we just let the chips fall where they may. I don't, I, I think, a lot of old head school, old school coaches would want to be that way, be that type of team that has the same old, same old, same old every single game. I think Mike Brown would would like that himself, but he realizes that's not that's not the case anymore in the NBA. That this league is way different than what it was previously. Even though, I mean, he said it preseason. Even though he'd like to have eight guys he can rely on and not go too deep into to the bench, I think you have to at this point in in, in this day and age. So. Um, it's just interesting to see how they navigate through things. I would also add to that. If De'Aaron Fox got hurt in like game 25 and missed games 26 through 30, this would have been a lot different. Like the Kings would have had an identity on the court already for this season. They would have yeah. already worked through some of the, the difficulties that they were having with their offense. They would have worked through some of the kinks that, that happened. They would have started to build a little bit on defense, build some chemistry, all that stuff. It would have been easier to see it happen then because then like, again, you, you can have an X man up mentality when the system is strong enough to support it. I think it was a new system. It happened, you know, after game three that he went out, he missed game four, five, six, seven, eight, well, four, five, six, seven, right? Four, five, six, seven, eight. All right. Eight. Um, but the the fact that it happened so early, they hadn't established who they were. They hadn't established all the pecking orders. Trey Lyles misses time as well, which changes a lot of things. People who like it does, and like I, I still think that like once Trey Lyles is back, that might mean less Javale. It might be less uh, Alex Lynn. It might mean less Sasha Vzenkov. It could also if Keegan Murray's out there playing the three, it could mean a lot less Chris Duarte or no Chris Duarte. Like this. Uh, Mike's got a lot of decisions still to make. And again, it's a long, it's a long NBA season, but I just point out that they hadn't had time to establish who they were before when he got hurt. And so again, if this happens game 50, it's just not the same as it was in the first two weeks of the season. Um, yeah. uh, okay. So we're just about done here. Uh, do the Kings need to make a, a, a deal here? Should they be looking around? I mean, they should be looking, but I don't That's think a it's a rush. Question. I don't if think Alex it's a rush. Caruso becomes available, should they jump all over that? I like Caruso. Like, I like OG. I like those guys. I just think that we have time. Okay. A 6'5 yeah. defender like Caruso. That's interesting. What are you giving up? Probably Davion. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Davion in a couple seconds. Like Alex Caruso's. You're on Chicago. Contract. You're Chicago. I'm Sacramento. Okay. Hey, uh, I'll give you Davion. Okay. You're doing the deal as Chicago. It, no, you're hanging up the phone. No, I don't. I don't know about that. Like, if straight up, blow, no, if they're going to blow things straight? up, no, 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 you'd have to give up like a, a second or two. I mean, but you're looking at a 
a 24 year old versus a 29 year old. And they're, I mean, if they're going to trade Zach Levine, then they're probably going to open up and trade a few other guys. Yeah. But they're not doing it for just Davion Mitchell. Yeah. But I mean, I think it, the same. Like, I, I don't know. You feel the same, right? Yeah. It's probably more. Yeah. Than that's, that. that's ridiculous. But not much more. Like, I mean, what are you talking about? You're not talking about Davion in a first. Like, it's, I mean, Alex Caruso is a nice player, but I mean, the dude averages like eight points a game or seven points a game for his career. I mean, he was a second team, all defensive team at, at any six, five. He's got great length for a couple of like, years, a couple of years guard. ago he was, but like, again, injuries, everything else. Yeah. But, but my point is, my point is you're, you're going to get rid of that to get Davion. Who's a defensive player. Who's significantly shorter. I'm Straight not up? saying, no. I'm not saying it's going to happen. And I, but I am saying like, they're like, if, there is an aspect of like team control, like Caruso is this year, and then one more of partially guaranteed. Davion goes into restricted, not this year, but the next. Yeah. Um, so like you, yeah, you but, have Davion for longer. Chicago doesn't have a point guard solution. Like I think the conversation with Davion's interesting and specific because different teams could value him more, right? Like I think he's going to come up because other teams might value him more than Sacramento does. Sure. Uh, no, I get that. But if you're Chicago right. and you've got Alex Caruso. And you're dangling Davion Mitchell my way. I'm like, I've already got Davion Mitchell. He's just he's just taller. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you're talking about a guy who's five years younger and better team control yeah, and cheaper, a lot cheaper. Alex Crusoe's not that old. Well, he's at, and he's, he's got great he's almost thirty. Yeah, yeah. and he's he's <sighs> in the prime of his career. I'm just I saying, mean, if, if they're gonna blow that thing up, um, it's gonna it's it up, not about. Whether I'm not saying that they're not going to trade Caruso. I, I I think their bigger problem is what the hell do we do with Zach Levine? What can we get with Zach Levine? Wait, They've Zach got... Levine is the answer to everything that's wrong with the Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers. Have you not been listening to TV all day? The Lakers, that's the answer to every single thing well, wrong I mean, with the Los Angeles Lakers. He might help do, a lot. They do lie. need shooting and athleticism. Yeah, and he would not help at all. Like, come on now. No. Come on, the, people. Area? I'm what just... Yeah, well, yeah, I'm just saying. Is he, is he from down there? Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I'm just saying that, like, that that's not a horrible. Like, if if they're gonna start fielding offers for Alex Caruso, people aren't coming in hot on the Alex Caruso train again. Like to compare him to someone that I always talk about. Well, like you know, he, he's also he's, not. He's not part of a. He's not a problem like Levine is. Like he's no. He makes very manageable money. He's a good player. Get some better pieces around him and. You're, you don't have to move Alex Caruso is my point. Yeah. I, a good I just team think, will offer something decent for Caruso. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I just don't know what something decent is for Caruso and, and like oh, how we're Levine's like from again, Washington, by the way. Oh, that's right. What's that? About that? Levine's from Washington, by the way. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I mean like just looking at Alex Caruso's career path, it's not like we're not talking about like an A-list free agent here. Uh, even if they, they, kind of went at him like a B-list free agent. Uh, anyway, figure I throw it out there. Like we can banter. I, I think he's gettable and I don't know that it costs you a ton, especially if you can cut his salary in half and give him a couple of future assets. I still think we're going to be talking about OG at the deadline expiring. Oh, for sure. Been part of the conversation before. Siakam too. Yep. I think I think there's yeah. a number of guys, the usual suspects are going to keep poking their head around and, and their names are going to come up. And I think that it's uh, when, when you but when you say, do they need to make a deal? It's like, no, they don't need to make a deal. They just won six of ten. Calm down. 
Like, no, they don't have to make a deal. Well, no, but I think you should always be looking to improve your team. You, always. That's the thing. But you, you, yeah. you have to have someone in mind. That's why, but like this, because fans do this a lot. It's like, oh, they got to make a trade. Okay, great. Who's, and they're just going to Harrison Barnes, get rid of them. Okay, great. What are you getting? No. And then yeah, it's yeah, like, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, totally. Totally. Or they Harrison Barnes for something wacky. Yeah. I, I just think, I mean, Davion Mitchell is just the ninth pick in the draft, like two and a half years ago. Like, well, it's not like. Is, he's he's not in the rotation for two games, um, but it's an 82 game season mm-hmm. and, and more with the playoffs. Like, again, you haven't seen the last of Davion Mitchell. I don't um, think so either. I don't, and I, I don't, like Davion. I like I. I just don't. Well, yeah, think but he fits. This still, but like painting a picture of this, like, oh, it's all grim and dark around Davion Mitchell. Like, no, it's not. Davion Mitchell it knows what's expected of him. He wasn't playing well. He realizes Keon Ellis did his job and is being rewarded for it, and they're winning. So, you know, he has to wait for his opportunity again. He has to wait for his his, just like Keon Ellis did. And he'll have a longer leash than Keon Ellis does because Keon Ellis is a two-way contract player. What would be interesting to see, and again, they'd have to, I think they have to cut somebody, but if they were able to convert Keon Ellis into a roster player, has he done enough to be able to do that at some point this year? You'd probably yeah, they, have to wave I mean, Petrushev. There's an obvious cut, Petr- yeah. Petrushev. Right. Yep. And then yeah. and then maybe, you know, or or even Javel McKee or somebody like that. You know, there's there's guys that you could Wow, Sean. I know, I know. Just the change just up in, is crazy. in the event that you wanted to see somebody else. Just like throw Holy. it out there. Or they could just, you know, Holy. wave JaVel McKee. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm just I'm just hey, just saying. I'm not saying that they would do that, but I was like, if they wanted to really hold on to Philip, there are other candidates that they could cut yeah I, well i mean kessler edwards they're they they have other right. guys on their roster that are on like minimum deals or finally not a contract. lot of money yeah the money is nothing at that point for <laughs> yeah it's not so okay well I, I just figure i'd throw a haywire like like see what you guys thought and, like, sean I, loves I, it it was fun <laughs> i just no, i think more. alex crusoe would make to make a deal. <laughs> yeah. I, james knows james knows i'm gonna react to something like that <laughs> i'm like the bear that he's just poking he goes i'll watch this <laughs> <laughs> wait till yeah. it rains yeah oh it, Dude, it's it, already raining if you looked outside this is yeah, is it raining today i mean i know we need it it's me. fine like like i'm gonna be out there in the at the causeway classic on saturday hopefully i don't want to be drenched but it's probably going to be drenching me i don't like it i should be out there i don't know why i'm not but i've never been to the causeway yeah classic. you you proud davis aggie you i am a proud davis and aggie. you're hosting they're hosting the game you could go that yeah i've never been so um, all right. Do we have any final thoughts? Like, I have some pretty heavy final thoughts here. Uh, oh, are they going to depress us? Did someone die? Did, did we, no, I'm happened? not going to depress us. Okay. Uh, no. Well, I mean, yeah, the Oakland A's franchise died. So, yeah. So you go first, then. You John first. Fish. John Fisher can kiss my lily white ass. The same goes for uh, Rob Manfred. Uh, this is like an embarrassment to professional sports. Um, he is no better than the Maloofs. Uh, and their raggedy ass ownership when they were here in Sacramento. Um, and so uh, my, my thought process for everyone out there, uh, the gap Athleta, um, let's see, banana Republic. Uh, Oh, old Navy. Yeah. Dead done to me. Like that's who John Fisher is. That's where his money comes from. Um, and if he's going to, if he builds clothing any way like he builds a baseball franchise, 
uh, you probably shouldn't be uh, supporting him. So um, that's what I would say. Like down with Major League Baseball for screwing over a a really really tough fan base and like letting a team relocate to a building that is imaginary that won't be built for five years that has no chance to succeed and they know that and they just know that when he sells the team they're going to get paid on the other end because they're putting that clause in um so good luck with that major league baseball uh i hope that john fisher's businesses fail because uh he's bad people there you go lily white huh lily white it's, yeah that was lily white yeah no i this is Got a, I'm pasty, man. So what do you what do you what what's the what do you hold out hope on now? Oh, I don't think there's I mean there's any hope it's that uh the school the school uh group will force the thing onto a ballot. Schools over stadiums? Yeah, schools over stadiums where um they have actually turned down funding for schools. If they can get this on a ballot, then the entire deal falls apart completely. And uh, so they're pushing to get it on the ballot this coming year. And if it if it's going to be on the ballot, we would know long before that. And the whole deal would be over because he would lose his four million dollars, uh, 400 million bucks for for going to Vegas. And he just doesn't have the money to do it. So sell the team to Joe Lakeup, who wants to buy the team, who will step right in and, you know, build the, the stadium down wherever it needs to be built. Like they've got both properties that they can still work with, but. The Howard Terminal thing is just ridiculous. Like, he wanted a, a $12 billion deal in Oakland, and he's willing to settle for, like, a parking lot in Las Vegas. It's literally a parking lot that he won't get any development around it at all. It's already being developed. It's already casinos. Like, he's getting nothing other than the the stadium. And I just don't think any major league baseball is not going to be the draw. They think it is in Las Vegas. Like people are not flying to Vegas to go watch baseball games, especially you might go see one, but you're not going to a three game series. It's not like it's the Raiders where you fly in to see a game and go home. So it's my point of view. I hate relocation. I hate relocation. Yeah. Uh, You guys got any final thoughts? Um, (laughs) there's the window. There it is. I, I, it's not very often that Sean wears something and I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I got to give you credit for the, every time you wear the PSG Nike collab Mm. hoodie, it gets me. And, and, you know, the, the black Hurley hat with the white logo goes with it. I got to say, you pick the right Hurley hat. I wear this one a lot. I have another one that's a little bit more pink and black and purple and kind of cool. matches a shirt or a, a watch I have. So. Yeah, I haven't won that one as much, but it's hoodie season. I get to it's like for me, it's like hoodie season all year round, but it is the G Shock watch could have been left in last decade, but it's all good. It's all good. I know you love this. Um, I do like this one. I have another one I haven't worn as much, but it is a good one. Only other thing I got is Stockton is underway. Lindsay Harding got her first win, 140 plus points. I haven't gotten to watch it yet. They're going to play again tonight. I'm going to tune into that one and get caught up here soon. Uh, like James mentioned earlier, Kobe was playing crazy at eight. Uh, steals in that game steals. ridiculous ridiculous um yeah tune into stockton they got some they got a roster i'm just saying they're not bad. i also i thought it was interesting that jalen slosson was with the kings last night in yeah, la you gotta manage you gotta manage your availability on your two ways yeah that's actually whole he got into a, he got into the final few few seconds too and so did uh philip petrushev his debut right yeah uh, I think he got a minute 11 or something. I was looking down. I didn't even see it. I'm like, oh, I, he just I went out and the stood in one spot. 
<laughs> he stood in one spot for 11 seconds. He's tall. Maybe it was 11 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did meet him final... in the locker room. He was very nice. He's quiet. Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, my final thoughts would just be, um, college basketball's back. It's really a lot of fun. And oh. regionally, <clears throat> I don't think, I, I don't think, uh, a lot of people spend enough time going to Davis and Sac State games, but they're really a lot of fun. Um, was it Sac State? Been to checked out both teams already, but was it the game where Sac State set a D1 record for since the in the 1991 to present era um, for points scored in a game? They whooped up on Pacific Union. Most people have no idea where that is, but it's an NAIA or NIA, whatever it is, um, school in Napa. And they laid 100. They went 64 points first half, 64 points second half. Ooh, that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot, 128, and uh, a lot of records set for David uh, set on that night for David Patrick's group. So go check out the Hornets. They're going to be out of that abomination called the Nest, which has no business being a Division One basketball program gym. And sounds like they're going to be moving into the Well, which still isn't good enough, but it's better than the is. Nest. What the is Well it? is like a recreation facility that was built on campus of Sac State years ago it's nice oh that's embarrassing though that you're not but, even getting in a, a stadium well this is like a in what i call a band-aid on a broken bone which it's it's not your end-all be-all it's not your it's just a placeholder until hopefully they can get something done okay All which right. is feels like years away and decades away it's been way too long but if you've ever been in the nest it's only holds a thousand people oh brutal yeah um all right well i i think i think we're done uh i don't we we covered every topic i can think of a uh, little different today uh shout out to blue wire we've joined blue wire shout out to prize pick uh prize picks is uh, sponsoring the show um and uh you're gonna get some ads in the in the uh, audio version of this now um yeah that's just life it is um you know we do a lot of hard work here to keep this thing rolling and put on a lot of time and effort. And uh, so those ads will help us continue to do this and grow. Um, outside of that, uh, it should be an interesting week. We got the Kings versus Victor Wimbanyama uh, on Friday night. That, of course, is part of the in-season tournament. Kings already have, what, a plus seven in the in-season tournament. Uh, Minnesota has a little bit higher uh, like point differential right now, right? And but yeah, but I think they're also 2-0, and aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're two and zero. So this is a, a slightly important game when it comes to the in season tournament. Uh, I would also point out that Draymond G- Green, uh, God bless his heart, got suspended for five games. He will miss the five games leading up to the next matchup against the Sacramento Kings, which will also be the in season tournament. So uh, you're welcome, says the NBA. You get Draymond Green back just in time to play the Kings. Um, I nailed that one. The the length of games. I yeah, me too. Was pretty, yeah, pretty proud of myself. I talked about that on the air, and like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to get five games. That's what my first thought was. And the next time, when there's a next time, because you know there will be, um, I think the league is ready to to slay slay Dre. It's going to get it's going to get ugly. <laughs> yeah, I think ten games is a minimum, but it's probably going to be a lot more than that. Like, I think oh, they've I had it. They've had it up to here. Well, what are you talking about? Like, if if he did something similar, well, yeah, but I mean, like, how many times he's done something similar? 
And uh, how much media is it bringing to the league, though? Like, I think there's an aspect. I know. Like, is, it, is it fully horrible for the league? No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's just not the brand of basketball they want. Like, Look, the, the if league they were is concerned, filled... If they were concerned about sending a message and all that stuff, and granted, the like the, the lack of money that he's, again, I know he makes a lot of money, but he's not. It's almost 800000 bucks, man. That's a lot. That's a lot. Of money. That's a lot. Um, if they were really concerned, they wouldn't have him come back on national TV against Sacramento in Sacramento. No, that's true. Boy, is so, he going to get booed? Yeesh. Yeah, that, that they want to see that. Oh, that's going to be. Funny. I want to see that. He Trayvon got probably wants to by see the it. way that game here in Sacramento. The, the last uh, <laughs> when they showed him for like this, the splittest second up on the up on the big board and he gave a high or something like that in his street clothes or I think whatever it was. Yeah, deuces, whatever he showed was brilliant the whole place responded with booze it was so great yeah he's not well liked in in the sacramento area oh he uh, would be if he was on this team if he was a king tomorrow uh, people would line up to sure. shake his hand yeah maybe probably i know uh, that i i get it people get tired of draymond's antics and all that stuff and there's people that there's people that was that you or that was you oh, that was my oh. phone that doesn't usually happen <laughs> no it doesn't my ringer's um, never on but it, to me, it's this is entertainment business. I mean, I will say there was no one that looked more pissed off when he was doing his farewell lap than Joe Lacob standing there courtside watching him do it. So don't get me wrong. I think there is a fatigue that goes with it, and there are certain antics that get old and all that stuff. But um, getting ejected twice in 10 games is kind of impressive. <laughs> back to back. <laughs> it's right? pretty insane. It was wasn't it back it to might, back? There game? might be one in between. I'm not sure, but yeah, Cleveland and Minnesota. Or no, he got into it with uh, Anthony Edwards, and that's what sparked yeah. this on. Dude, the game yeah. This happened before a single off. point was scored in the gate. Yeah, <laughs> like you just, what? You just don't want to injure the dude. Like that's that's where I think this one went overboard. Well, I mean, it went overboard when he kicked Stephen Adams and the Cajones. It went overboard when he stomped on Demontis Sabonis. But like there was like during this scuffle, there was like a risk of Rudy Gobert injuring himself while he's being dragged backwards. Rudy's like this. Can someone just get him off me? Yeah. And like that did nothing. No, cats just like, please. And oh, if, you, yeah. if anyone no. listens to Pat Beverly's po- podcast, that was, exactly. that, that was great that. podcast, by the way. Yeah. Laid into cat like and just all of them just like, hey, that's who you are now. Good. Good luck with that. Good luck with that in a seven game series against the also, Warriors. He's going to do that to you the whole time. Warriors kind of scuffling a little bit. Uh, they are. Curry out with the knee. Not Hopefully not too serious. Sounds like it's not. Clippers are scuffling. Clay looks really bad. That's not going to help him with Lakers his Lakers just looking for his money. <clears throat> yeah, it's tough. Mm, brutal. All right. Listen to this thing. That's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat Podcast brought to you by Prize Picks. Uh, we'll be back. Later this week, we're actually got another pod to do. Um, after the Wimbin Yama game, we'll we'll hit something on Saturday. Uh, so make sure to look for that. Um, so for Fox Forty, Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunes from the Kings Bulls podcast, I am James Hammer, Kings Insider for ESPN thirteen twenty and the Kings Beat. See you soon. <laughs>